1: Dr. Michael Youssef, with encouragement to get real. Practicing humility causes me to be realistic about myself, to be realistic about my fallen nature, to be realistic about my weaknesses, to be realistic about my vulnerability. Ah, but also realistic about the bigness of my God.
0: Are you living out biblical leadership and humility in your life? If so, you've experienced identity transformation. There are only a couple of messages remaining in this life-changing series. But if you've missed any episodes, remember to catch up at ltw.org or use the Leading the Way app or subscribe to the podcast. You'll be glad you did. Well, we want to give Dr. Yusuf just as much time as possible. So let's join him as he begins this leading the way audio message.
1: What is humility? I think the very word and the subject of humility is not very familiar to our generation. It really isn't. It appears to me, at least, that today we are going back to the days of the Greek culture before Christ where they not only had no word for humility, let alone practice it. Now, I'm going to give you my understanding of biblical definition, so I take full responsibility. Here it is. It is to know who God is and who I am in relationship to God and to others. Isn't that simple? (laughs) It is to know who God is and who I am in relationship to God and to others. It's that simple. But how does this work in practice? You see, when I recognize that God is sovereign and I'm not, when I recognize that God is in control, I'm not, when I recognize that He is the Lord and I'm not, that He is the Master and I'm not, that is going to go a long way not only to give me peace as I walk with Christ and and His body, but it's also going to relieve me from anxiety, as he said in verse 7. John the baptizer, who is the earthly cousin of Jesus, probably said it best. Nobody can improve on that. I certainly can't. Here's how he defined it. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. I can do better than that. There are so many people in the ministry today, who have reversed this definition of John the Baptist. They are on the increase and Jesus getting swept in the background. But by that very definition that he must increase and I must decrease, there is a progression by its very definition. Beloved, let me testify to you before God and and before my family and my friends who have known me for a long time. The longer I walk with Christ, the less I think of myself and the more I think of Him. The longer I walk with Christ, the bigger Christ gets and the smaller I get. If this progress is not taking place in the life of believers, then there's something drastically wrong with the process of spiritual growth. In other words, your spiritual growth has been stunted. Now, let me give you a warning. Let me give you a warning. I have met many people who would agree with my definition, who would agree with everything I've just said so far, but they have the hardest time practicing humility. You see, it's easy to get the definition right, (laughs) but it is much harder to practice humility without the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? Someone said to know yourself well, is to esteem yourself little." I love that. Think about this for a long time. To know yourself well, and a lot of people are trying to find themselves these days, to know yourself well is to esteem yourself little. Now beloved, this runs counter, opposite to everything that our culture and the school system and education system and the media is throwing at us in the definition of self-esteem. Yet, it is a fact. Those who know themselves little have much pride. (laughs) Those who know themselves little pray something like this guy who prayed and said, Dear Lord, so far today I have done great. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't lusted. I haven't fallen into greed. I've not been selfish. I've not overindulged. However, Lord, in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. (laughs) From that time on, I need your help. No, 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 no. Practicing humility causes me to be realistic about myself, to be realistic about my fallen nature, to be realistic about my weaknesses, to be realistic about my vulnerability— Oh, but are also realistic about the bigness of my God. Amen? Yes. Beloved, here's what I learned through the years from the Word of God. <laughs> it takes courage to give sound biblical advice, but it takes great humility to accept the advice graciously. And now I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 7, where Peter, first of all, pleads with everybody, all the believers, to practice humility. But he starts with the leadership. He goes to the young people in the church, and then he goes to the entire church. There's a reason why Peter starts with the leaders and goes down to the congregation. First, the young people. By the way, it says young men. It's young women as well, young guys and young ladies. It's for everybody. Because Peter believes… That humility is caught, not taught. It is caught and not taught. And that is why he gives us a sense of order, a sense of priority. He begins with those in position of leadership, and then he moves down to everybody else. Leadership, including fathers in the homes who are the priests and the pastors of their households, and leaders in the church. And then secondly, he goes to the young people, and then finally to everybody. There is always in every passage, there is a a key verse or a key sentence, a a foundational sentence upon which the whole passage is built. The foundational passage is verse 5. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. This is the heart of the passage. This is the core of, this is the foundational stone of this whole passage. Indeed, if you can use your imagination, try to use your imagination, and imagine humility as a robe, and that robe you're going to wear and is going to cover you from head to toe. This robe of humility would cover every word you speak. This robe of humility covers every activities you're involved in. This robe of humility covers every decision that you make, big or small. This robe of humility covers all of your deliberation when people are watching, when people are not watching. You see, this does not mean that you walk around saying, hey guys, look at me, look at my robe of humility. No. In fact, you're not even conscious of that robe that you're wearing. You are constantly wearing this robe as you go on your daily activities. In other words, it becomes part of you. You're not even conscious of it. That robe should be worn by pastors. This robe should be worn by lay leaders. This robe should be worn by Bible teachers. This robe should be worn by Sunday school teachers. This robe must be worn by mom and dad at home. Uh, This robe must be worn uh, by everyone who is in a leadership position. Why? Why? Because, know it or not, people are looking at you and they're imitating you. Whether you accept it or not, it is a fact. Just as sheep follow the shepherd, kids follow their parents' example. Just as a sheep follows a shepherd... People imitate their leaders. Just as sheep depend on the shepherd for their feeding and for their provision, pastors must feed the flock by the Word and on the Word of God. Nothing else. Beloved, let me tell you something. Some of you know this. It grieves me deeply, and sometimes I am weeping when I'm alone with God, that today's many under-shepherds are feeding their congregations sawdust, They are mixing it with water, and they're baking it, and it looks like bread. But it is not. And it's not a surprise, therefore, that so many people are dying of spiritual malnutrition. And that is why in verse 4, Peter speaks of Jesus as the chief shepherd. I have no doubt in my mind that Peter, as he was pinning those words under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that he was thinking of a specific encounter that he had with Jesus after the resurrection right there by the lake of Galilee. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He did not say to him, Peter, entertain my sheep. or oh, Peter, tickle my sheep. or oh, Peter, appease my sheep. He did not say, make my sheep feel good by some smooth-talking? No! Peter, feed my sheep. They're not our sheep, they're Jesus' sheep. And there's only one food that is worthy of the name, and that is the food of the Word of God. A Word of God that so many evangelical pastors today are doubting its inspiration. There's one thing that leaders who call themselves true disciples of Jesus need to do. They are only to follow the chief shepherd. They obey the chief shepherd, and they only distribute the food that comes from the chief shepherd. The reason that churches that once were Bible-believing churches have lost their way is because the leaders have ceased to follow the chief shepherd. Look at verses 2 and 3. Those who serve the chief shepherd, they will not be doing it for personal gain. They're not doing it for personal acceptance. They're not doing it for personal aggrandizement. They're not doing it for personal power. But they're doing it out of a deep calling to follow and obey the chief shepherd. Just as parents who are the shepherds of the home Protect and feed and provide the best for their children, so is everyone in church leadership. We are to protect people from the enemy of their souls, even if some of those enemies are dressed in clerical garb. Hear me right, please. Only when we are faithfully feeding the sheep, young and old, upon the Word of God. Will they be sustained in the tough times and the easy times, and the hard times and the not-so-hard times? They'll be sustained whether the world hates them or not. That's the only way they'll be sustained. Only then will they truly expect a chief shepherd to give us the unfading crown when he returns. Make no mistake about it. Every under-shepherd who sought to please the trends of culture every leader who sought to accommodate to the fads of culture, every leader who sought the approval of men, they will be put to shame on that great day. And it's not for a minute or two, a day or two, a year or two. It's for eternity. Unless they repent. See, the picture here that Peter has in mind is a picture of a Roman army general. You remember Rome conquered the world, and many of the generals went to west and east, and they conquered. The Roman Empire was far and wide. And when these generals go and lead battle, and they win the war, and they come back to Rome, and they parade in that main road and they parade, they might be bloodied from the battle. They may be wounded from the battle. They may be broken in the battle. They may be even limping as they're walking in that parade. And yet, they are crowned with a garland of flowers. Most often, that crown of flowers is an evergreen, so it lasts just for a little long time, but not forever. It will fade. That coveted crown will pass away. But listen not the crown that Jesus has for his faithful leaders. (coughs) Please hear me right. For leaders who follow the example of the great shepherd of the sheep, the chief shepherd, for the leaders who humble themselves before the chief shepherd, for the leaders who sought to model the chief shepherd, for the leaders who refuse to follow their instincts, For the leaders who refuse to go along, to get along. For the leaders who give God all of the glory, even when they get all of the grief. They will get the greatest crown that will never fade. That crown is provided for faithful leaders. Do you know what it is? They're going to hear from the lips of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's the crown. We have become so secular in our minds that everything is to do with this life. everything is here and everything now. Your best life is here, your best life is now. We have forgotten about heaven but that 's a sad day for the church and so first, leaders model humility, secondly, the young submit to such leaders when a leader when leaders submit to the authority of the word of God, and when they submit to the authority of the chief shepherd. It will be a delight for young or old alike to submit to such leadership. Beloved, let me tell you something. I have met people in the ministry through the years who are extremely talented. I mean they had talents coming out of their ears. But when they fail to submit to godly spiritual authority, and uh, that's authority submitting to the authority of the Word of God, sooner or later they implode. Children who try to love, honor, and respect their parents, they will grow up to be adults who will love and honor and respect their God and the Word of God. Here's something I want to say. And I know there are thousands of pastors around the world, thousands of church leaders around the world who watch this ministry. And I thank God for you. I always want to be an encouragement to you. But I want to say to the lay people and the members of the churches, if you are in a church where the leaders are not living in submission to the authority of the Word of God, get out. Don't sit there and fret. I can tell you that I could not submit to a spiritual leader who's not obeying the Word of God, who's not living under the authority of the Word of God. I would not do it. I cannot do it. Leaders model humility. Young people submit to such leaders. And thirdly, he says, exercising humility toward one another. This is everyone. Everyone. (laughs) What does it mean? How can you submit to one another in humility. Back to the definition of humility is knowing who God is and who I am in relationship to God and in relationship to one another. Therefore, when I know who God is and I know who I am in relationship to God and in relationship to the body, I am realistic about myself. I'm very realistic about my abilities. I mean, listen, I think my musician friends here know, I love singing. I really do. But I don't sing in public. I just don't want to feel threatened. (laughs) I don't want to feel bad, you know. (laughs) But in all seriousness, in all seriousness, being realistic about what I can or cannot do is not going to make me sit there and be envious of their gift or, or jealous of their gift or coveting their gift, or belittling their gift? No! When each member of the body recognizes and appreciates the giftingness of others, we get blessed by the chief shepherd. And that's what it means when we exercise humility with one another. Finally, Peter said, when this true humility is practiced you're going to find that anxiety will not be the hallmark of a believer. Why? This is really interesting that he comes in, right in verse 7, he says, don't be anxious, after he told us all about humility. You see, when a Christian becomes overly anxious, listen to me carefully, please. I want you to test me on this one. And when you find yourself in an anxious moment, and we all go through it, okay, so it's not, you're not the only one, but when you find yourself in this anxious moment and you're worried sick, I want you to stop and remember. Am I failing to submit in faith to the loving care of the chief shepherd who promised to take care of all my needs? Think about this. Think about it long and hard. Listen to what the chief shepherd himself said in Matthew 6.25. Do not be worried about your life, what you eat and what you drink. What does it mean? You don't go and buy groceries and just sit there hoping the birds will bring you food? No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. It's not what he's saying. We do shopping, we do planning, we do everything else that we're supposed to do and we need to do. But to do it all without being frantic and worried sick, indeed anxiety and worry... Separate us from God. In fact, it's the root meaning of the word. It isolates us from God, and it gets worse. Instead of turning back in faith, we get worse in separation. Why? Because worry and anxiety is an indication there is lack of faith. There's lack of faith. Faith, and I'm not talking about faith of salvation. I'm talking about daily faith. Growing in faith. You can obtain it in two steps. The first step is to ask God for it. He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. And then you begin to practice it. Faith is like muscles. And muscles can only grow through practice. You see, you practice it. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. And here's the exercise I want you to think about all this coming week. Ask yourself the question, What steps of faith am I taking that help me grow in faith? Some of you might never be tithers because out of anxiety and fear that if you give the Lord his tithe, you're going to have less and you're not going to meet your needs. Start. First step, take a step of faith. Some of you having a hard time trusting God with your children, with your family. Some of you are having a hard time trusting God with your business. Whatever it is, you know where you are. I'm not here to stand in judgment on you. I'm here to encourage you. Take a first step of faith this coming week and ask yourself every day, what steps of faith have I taken in order that I might grow in faith? You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. A few weeks from now, you're going to come and say, thank you. I began to take these steps of faith. And God has honored it.
0: A challenge from Dr. Michael Yusuf for you to experience identity transformation in your life. Thanks for joining Dr. Yusuf and listeners around the world for Leading the Way. If you have faith doubts or questions, consider speaking with a Leading the Way pastor. They'd be happy to listen and help in any way they can. Visit ltw.org Jesus. You know, we often hear the burden many of you carry for reaching and impacting the next generation. Whether you're kids, grandkids, or neighbors and friends, that's why we'd like to remind you about a podcast leading the way produces that's designed to help listeners of all ages, especially the next generations, look at culture through a biblical lens. It's called Candid Conversations with Jonathan Yusuf. Jonathan, Dr. Yusuf's youngest son, has a passion for the next generation. And through interviews with trusted voices in our culture, he provides a weekly dose of biblical truth for living a spirit-filled life and engaging biblically with issues of life in 2023. Here's a little bit of what you can expect each week. When we don't know how to respond
1: logically and rationally, that's typically when we default to the defensiveness and the ad hominems and we take that
0: in Alita's opinion he talks a lot about what the constitution does and does not say and the truth is is that the constitution does not talk about abortion so i just remember at that time uh wondering okay well i'm stuck in this sandbox called science how do i find answers beyond the sandbox what is beyond the sandbox
1: what i think any false teacher will do it they'll take elements of truth and twist it for their own gain or for their own motives. You
0: know what the Christian faith offers that no other faith offers is God becoming man. Right? Uh, what a tremendous thing that Jesus Christ became a man. He entered into this world as a human being. Look for Candid where you get your podcasts. Or we can offer some guidance at ltw.org